I want to take you today to the scariest book in the whole Bible, in my opinion. It's not the book of Revelation. It's the book of Numbers. Why is Numbers the scariest book in the Bible? It has 36 chapters that covers 40 years. And when it reaches the last chapter, here it comes. The children of Israel are still in the same geographical place that they were when chapter one opens in the book. There was absolutely no movement. 40 years and when you wake up, think about it. You haven't gone anywhere. Or you didn't want a new journey, a new investment, a new venture, a new challenge. I kept thinking about this pandemic. When the pandemic is over, the worst thing that could happen to us as a church locally, Times Square Church, and even to the church of Jesus Christ is that there's no movement. When when this, when this when the dust clears, I believe the church should be further ahead. But what is scary is that God is calling us on a new journey, but are we gonna go on that new journey? It was Dr. Martin Luther King who said these words, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. You heard Christine's story, so powerful because she took the challenge to lead a connect group and she really never saw the whole staircase and never saw what the next steps were, that even her husband Lorenzo would lead a group too. And it all started with Christina's step of faith, that good things were ahead. This is really important. And so I want you to get this. Maturity, maturity is not a gift. It's not a gift that comes with how many years you've been in the church or how many years um, you've been in the same church. And I think we confuse maturity with experience. One of my spiritual fathers, Leonard Ravenhill, said it like this. Maturity comes from obedience, not from age. That's why I believe we are given moments every day in, in relationships, at your job, at a church, with your children, we are given moments every day to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's moving and God's clear word. And I believe that our yes to God is where maturity of God comes from. Let me say that again, that our yes to God is where maturity in God comes from. That's why every yes to God makes the staircase a little bit more visible. It reminds me of um, the story Francis Chan tells it. He says, someone said to him after uh, he was pastoring in the church service, they said to him, I don't really, I didn't really like the worship today. To which Francis Chan replied, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you in the first place. You know what maturity remembers? Maturity remembers who we worship and not how I am comfortable to worship. Because worship is always challenging us to, to movement and to go further and deeper into the things of God. That's why we always want to follow him. While people are trying to get many followers on social media, we have one responsibility. I have one responsibility and I don't need followers. I just want to follow one person and that's Jesus himself. Keep this in mind. Religion makes you look like each other. It's people calling you to look just like them. And if you don't, that's where condemnation comes in. But true Christianity, a true follower of Jesus is when you start to look like Jesus. That's the faith journey. That's the calling to go deeper. See, real Christians will inspire you to look more like Jesus, not like them. I love the words of A.W. Tozer who said it like this. There are rare Christians 
whose very presence incites others to be better Christians. And he says, I want to be that rare Christian. I, I wanna say with Tozer, I wanna be that rare Christian too. And I wanna show you an amazing exchange in the Bible between a brother and her brother-in-law. In fact, based on Tozer, Moses was that rare Christian. And his brother-in-law was the one he was trying to inspire, in a sense, to be a better Christian. It's Moses, and his brother-in-law's name is Hobab. This is an important name because you're gonna, he has one story in the Bible and Moses has one request and it's this, come with us. It was really a challenge to go further. It was a challenge to go deeper. It was a challenge to leave comfortability. It was a chat that come with us was, we're moving in God. I want you to go with us. Let me read to you their conversation in Numbers chapter 10. It's gonna be a faith challenge to him while the staircase is hidden. Here's how it goes in Numbers 10, 29 through 33. Moses said to his brother-in-law, Hobab, son of Reuel, the Midianite, that will be an important phrase later on, Moses' father-in-law, we're marching to the place about which God promised and that said, I'll give it to you. And here come the words, come with us. We'll treat you well. God has promised good things for Israel. But Hobab said, I'm not coming. I'm going back to my home, to my own country, and to my own family. And Moses countered, don't leave us. You know all the best places to camp in the wilderness. This is such a good phrase. He says, we need your eyes. That was the gift that he had. And if you come with us, we'll make sure that you share in all, oh, I like this, the good things God will do for us. And so off, big word, they marched. I want you to get this. Being born again is the greatest decision you can ever make, but is also the most challenging. And even in that challenge, good things are ahead. That's why C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, said it like this. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I don't recommend Christianity. I agree with that. See, one of the things, and we're invited to go further in God. See, I think it was Hobab that was stuck, just like Christians can get stuck, where there's no movement. We want God to take away our junk, but stop right there. We don't want him pushing us to the edge or pushing us to go in other places. See, God speaks to those, and I think that's what happened here, even through Moses, who have gotten stuck. And I I, I was thinking about something else to continue with C.S. Lewis that I want you to get, that something else happens. He talks about going to the dentist, and it's so profound. Listen to these words. He says, when I was a child, I've often had a toothache, and I knew that if my mother would give me something, which she would deaden the pain that night and let me get to sleep. But I did not go to my mother, at least not until the pain became very bad. And this is what he said. And here's the reason why I didn't do this. I want you to get this. Lewis writes these words. I did not doubt she would give me the aspirin, but I knew she would do something else. I knew she would take me, I'm with you, to the dentist the next morning. Listen to the rest of this. I could not get what I wanted out of her without getting something more, which I did not want. And he continues on. I wanted immediate relief from my pain, but I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. I knew those dentists. 
He says, I knew they started fiddling about with all sorts of the other teeth, which had not yet begun to hurt. And then he finishes with this. They would not let sleeping dogs lie. If you give those dentists an inch, they'll always take a yard. See, this is so powerful and profound what Lewis is saying, that dozens of people go to Jesus to be cured and he'll cure all right. He'll cure the sin issue, but he won't stop there. You give Jesus an inch, he's gonna take a yard. And that's what he was doing, not only with Hobab and Moses, he does it with all of our lives. And God is fiddling like that dentist Lewis talks about all around Hobab's life. And I believe he does it with all of our lives. Why is that important? Because Hobab's future is at stake. Hobab, do you wanna grow? Then you have to let go. Hobab, do you wanna grow? Then you're gonna have to go from comfortability. See, that's always the part, that the challenge to us. So Moses says this to Hobab in verse 32. If you come with us, we'll make sure that you share in all the good things of God. Come with us. God has promised incredible things for us and you'll share in those good things. That was the promise, to leave where he's at. And Hobab said, I'm not going. I'm going back to my home. I'm going back to my family. And Lewis finishes up with these amazing words when he says, there are far better things ahead and what we leave behind. Man, that's powerful. There are far better things ahead. I'm telling you, that's not just true for Hobab. That's not just true for the children of Israel. That is true for everyone that is listening today. And even in that story, Moses makes one more plea to his brother-in-law. He says, we need you. And then he even implores him that we need your gift. We need your eyes. You have an important contribution, my brother-in-law, to make to this journey. And, and I want to say this to everyone that's listening today. I want you to, I want you to, to, to get this. We want you to come with us. We, on this journey that, that God is putting us on, I, I, I speak to you like Moses did to his brother-in-law. He was saying, you have a gift waiting for you in the desert and you have a gift for this desert journey. And he was going to be the eyes, the GPS system for them. I've even felt like that like that with our overseer here at Times Square Church, Pastor Carter Conlon. I felt like he has come to me like a Moses at times and says, there's a journey. I want you to come. I want you to go on this. And there's times I had to leave. I had to leave to go on this journey, comfortability to move on in that new journey. Here's what's amazing, because this is one of the most important verses in verse 33. And this is what it says. They set out. And here's the big question. Is Hobab part of the word they? See, this is one of those passages in scriptures that we don't know the answer to the end of the story, but we can speculate. Because this is a huge question and far the, the ramifications are far larger than even what's there. We've got to kind of put some pieces together. Why is this important? Because, you ready for this? Hobab is a Midianite. It says that. We, we talked about that in, in Numbers 10. And here's what's amazing. And for the Midianites, 21 chapters later, which we're, which we're gonna read, it goes bad for them. Not just bad, but really bad for them. God does something that is so profound and, ju and judgment comes that is so important to our story. Let me read to you Numbers chapter 31, starting in verse one. Listen to what God says. God spoke to Moses, avenge the people 
of Israel on the Midianites. And he says this, Moses addressed the people, recruit men for a campaign against Midian. What is Hobab? Midianite. To exact God's vengeance on Midian. Here comes the verse seven. They attacked Midian just as God commanded, 21 chapters later, and commanded Moses and killed every last man. Did you get that? Did you get verse seven? Here it is, 31-7 again. And killed every last man. That means, okay, buckle up. That means if Hobab stays, then Hobab dies. If he stayed, then he died. This is, this is profound. Do you see why it's important to ask, is Hobab part of the they back in chapter 10 of Numbers? If not, then what Hobab thought was safe ground, staying put, really became dangerous ground, which means even for us to stay when we're being challenged in our Christian life to go further can literally be a risk for your future. Of course, God knew what was coming 21 chapters later. Moses had no idea, but God knew. And God was challenging him to say, I want you out of a place that eventually is gonna turn into death. It could be your death if you don't go. Ground that once was a blessing, he was saying can become very dangerous ground. I, I, I feel that every time God asks me personally to take a step of obedience, whatever, whether it's a step of obedience, a step of faith, a step of obedience to apologize, to, to do something in the, in the kingdom, even to share my faith with somebody. I know it's dangerous ground for me not to make that move because I, I, I don't want there to be this numbers life in me that there's no movement. I remember a few years ago driving in my car and, and there was one overpass of the highway that I, I was, as I was driving to the church, there was, I would always look up and I would see blankets and boxes. And I knew someone lived up there. I knew someone was spending the night there. There was a homeless man. And under that bridge, and while I was there, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and just simply said, I want you to stop, get that man breakfast, and leave this amount of money for this man. I, I, I knew what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, but thinking to myself, this could be dangerous. I mean, not just, I don't know what kind of individual he is, but I'm parking right on the side of a very busy highway. And I remember going, it's more dangerous for me not to do it than, than to do it. And when I stopped, I bought him breakfast, parked the car on the side of a busy highway and walked up with the amount of cash that God asked me to, walked up with the breakfast, got up to the very top, saw all the blankets, saw all of his belongings, a lot of empty cans there. And when I got up there, he wasn't even there. And I remember writing a note, leaving the cash there, leaving the food there for this man, and just writing a note saying, I want you to know that God loves you. That God asked me to stop to remind you that you still have a future. And left that note under a, under, uh, under a bridge where a homeless man leaves that I have never met and I've never met to this day. I, I believe it was God asking me for movement. I believe it was God challenging me to faith. I was believe it was God challenging me through past my comfort zone. And at that moment, at that moment, the safest place for me was to be under that bridge and not in my car under, in, in a, on a highway. I knew it. I was fine right where I was at. Many think 
Why would God want to push me further? It's kind of like the water baptism that some of you are being challenged to, that you have decided to be a Christian. You've, you, you've prayed with us. I want to be born again. And maybe God, this next step for you, God is pushing you towards the, the online and virtual water baptism, which, which sign, sign up ends this week. And God is saying, I'm asking you to take that next step. Or in, in any capacity, but like Christine, God is pushing you towards a connect group. I don't think Hobab goes. And I'll, and I'll tell you why at the end, because we never hear from him again, but something else became his eyes. Why wouldn't he go? Why wouldn't Hobab go? I, and I kept asking my question, I have these questions. Did he want to be more than eyes? In the wilderness, see priests, that's what he was. Hobab was a priest, was second in charge of the community next to the king. And there was wealth that came along with that title of being the priest. In, in, in his town and community, he would, he would be the man. In the desert, he would not be the man, just eyes. Just a part of the body, but not the man. And was, was it this? this feeling of I didn't want to do that? Or was it friends and family? Because he said that, I'm going back to, to my family, my, 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 my own country. Or was it because it was too risky for him? You want me to go from priest and comfortable living to fighting and living in a desert? I, I don't even see the staircase. I, I, I'm too old to get involved. I, I've, I've got my hands in too many things. It's too risky. I remember one person saying it like this, don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet whether that's from a highway vehicle to a bridge or whether it's Hobab who's living, who's living in Midian and it's time to get out and become eyes. See, there is a danger in not taking the risk that God's asking us to. And, and fear, I want you to keep this in mind. I, I've seen this in my own life. Fear and growth sometimes go hand in hand. God, I'm a little afraid. God, I don't know what the staircase looks like. I don't know what the future is, but I believe that fear and growth do go hand in hand. As a follower of Jesus, there are times you have to give up the notion that you will be comfortable from the very day you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. It's God asking us to take those next steps, joining the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Or if you're a young adult or a student, you may be challenged to go further and, and, and joining a connect group with them. Maybe even it is doing a 260 journey connect, or even just doing the 260 of going through the whole New Testament together. It's God challenging us not just simply to be present, but to be involved. Not just simply to be comfortable, but to, be, to have movement in our Christian life. The, the, I want to mention a man in the New Testament that appears only three times. His name is Demas. Demas has three verses in the New Testament, and they tell a very important story in the progression of his life. Three verses, and I want you to, I want you to see these verses. Here's Demas's first verse. It goes like this. It's Philemon. And these are in, I want to say this to you, these are in chronological order. That's huge. Because we're going to see it in Philemon, Colossians, and 2 Timothy 4. And this is all in order on how they appear in Demas's life. Here it is, Philemon 123. Epaphras, my fellow prisoners, Paul writing, in Christ Jesus greets you. As does Mark Aristarchus, here it is, and Demas and Luke, and then he throws in this phrase, powerful phrase, my fellow workers. Paul writes that in AD 60. And then just two years later, two years later, 
This verse is written. This is Demas's second verse written about his life and two years later. He's writing this from the book of Colossians. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. The letter, did you, did you notice something when his name was mentioned on, that, that was missing? We'll come back to it in just a second. Something was missing after his name. And then the final verse. This is a few years after that, five years later, 2 Timothy 4.10 says this, For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Seven years later. It starts in AD 60, and then when we get to 2 Timothy, we end up in AD 67. Seven years later, Demas has deserted him, having loved this present world. I want you to notice a very scary progression. See, the first time he's helping Paul, fellow laborer, co-worker. But it's that second verse is the pivot verse. I believe it's that, it's that Hobab Moses conversation. Because now all of a sudden something happens. In that second verse, a few years later, worker, fellow worker is disconnected from his name. He's no longer a co-worker, no longer a companion. It's just his name. He's a name in the church. He seems to vacate that job. Luke's a physician. He's doing work. And Demas, think about it. In the first one, Demas is helping. In the second one, he's just present. And really, it's almost a setup for Demas has deserted. Think about that. It didn't take long for Demas to exit when there was no longer an investment. It didn't take long for Demas to desert when there wasn't an investment or movement to go further. And I believe, I think he was being challenged to go from coworker and even maybe on other missionary journeys or whatever Paul was doing. And like Hobab, I think seemingly it seems like Demas stops. And when you don't move forward, you start going backwards. Or as one man said, it's this, it's your investment, not mine, what keeps us stable. And this is so important and the challenge. When I was in Detroit for so many years, the car capital of the United States, I used to notice something on the back of a General Motors car, GM car, that I didn't know much about. It looked like a deer or a stag, but it was actually called a GM Impala. That, that African Impala is, is a miracle of God's creation. Um, it can jump as high as 10 feet and cover a distance of 30 feet. Think about how incredible this is. You can go 10 feet, 10 feet high, 30 feet wide. Yet these magnificent creatures that look like a little tiny deer can be kept in an enclosure at any zoo with a little three-foot wall. I've watched it. I've seen it. I've seen these incredible animals, these impalas, with a little tiny wall and I'm thinking to myself, jump over it. You have the ability. You can go forward. And here's what they say, that those impalas will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall and land. Let me say that again, because this is important for some of us to get right now. The impala will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. I think faith is the ability to trust when we cannot see that staircase. And with faith, we are freed. We are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life 
that only fear allows to entrap us when God's asking us to jump and says, I've given you the ability. I've given you the Holy Spirit. Take the next step, Hobab. Take the next step, Demas. And when we don't jump, at that point, as Hobab was invited to jump, but since he couldn't see what was ahead, since he couldn't see the staircase, and since he couldn't see what the good things that Moses talked about, the answer was no. Sometimes, if you think about it, what he says, he goes, it's my own country, it's my family. And I started to realize that sometimes the greatest adversaries, listen up, Christians, sometimes the greatest adversaries that stop us from going forward in God, you ready for this, are the blessings of God. Sometimes the greatest obstacles for going forward in God are the blessings of God, that the blessings that God has given to us can become a risk, can become an obstacle. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Jesus tells a story in Luke 14, 16 through 20. Really, he's pointing to a staircase. He's pointing to something in the future and says, you gotta take a step now. L listen to it. Listen to Jesus' story. But he said to him, this is, a, this is what, he, what Jesus is preaching in Luke 14. A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner, Ari sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all began to make excuses. First one said to him, I bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, if I'm going to try, and I have to go try them out, so please consider me excused. And the final man in verse 20 said this. Another one said, I've married a wife. And for that reason, I cannot come. Th think of this. Just as Moses invited Hobab to experience all the good things of God, Jesus is speaking about a similar invitation. He's inviting them to the marriage supper of the Lamb, a banquet, a banquet that was going to be held for those that would be followers of Jesus. And isn't it amazing that nobody who said no is saying no because of some gross sin they were involved. No one is going like, I can't go because I'm on drugs. I can't go because I'm getting drunk or committing adultery. But everything they mentioned, the obstacle seems to be the blessing of God. One man has land. The other one has possessions and oxen. The other one has a wife. And the things, get this now, and the things that should be a blessing have now become a deterrent from going to the banquet of the ages. I want to say that one more time. The things that should be a blessing have now become a deterrent from going to the banquet of the ages. I've watched this. I've watched this when, when you're dealing with people that God's asking for people to make a movement, even on giving or tithing. God speaks about giving and, 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 and all of a sudden, no movement, refusal. And then you, they, they don't even realize that why does, how does that become dangerous? Because now you're holding on to stolen money in your possession, money that belongs to God's kingdom. This is so dangerous. And I'm just telling you how important this is. It, it, it's a Numbers 10 appeal to go on a journey that has blessing for you on the other side of your obedience. And, and I just want to just be clear about this because this is important, what I'm seeing even with Moses' life. Moses is not challenging Hobab to do something that he hasn't already done himself. God, God interrupts an 80-year-old man who is married with two children and says, now it's time to become a deliverer. So you keep, keep this in mind. 
He's not inviting him to do something that he hasn't done himself. That, that's true leadership. I, I can't invite you. I can't speak about tithing or connect groups or water baptism if I haven't taken that journey itself. I can't challenge you to go into the word if I haven't done that. And neither is Moses. It, it, Moses is saying, Moses is saying to them, he's going, Hobab, I've done it. And I, I'm 80 years old. God interrupted my shepherding career, my family with two children, and says, go deliver three million people. And he says, I know what this is like. This is a step of faith, but I realize good things are ahead and I want to share that with you. It's a numbers 10 appeal to go on a journey that has blessing for you on the other side of your obedience. And Moses was saying, I've seen it because I've done that journey before. And whether you like it or not today, allow me today just a little bit to be that Moses while imploring you like Moses did Hobab, inviting you on a journey with God. I want you to be part of the they. I'm asking you, come with us. What's ahead is amazing, not just here, but for all eternity. What, what's amazing is this. I want to read to you as we get ready to finish, I want to read to you a, a list of names that I want you to, I want you just to think. Just maybe close your eyes and think as I read a list of names, especially to those who are Christians. Do any of these names ring a bell to you? Here, let, let me give them to you. And, and you'll see them on the screen, even to make it easier. Shamua, Shaphat, Igal, Palti, Gadiel, Gaddy, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, Geul. Think, does the, the, any of these names conjure up any thought inside of you? Unless you are a, a Bible scholar, you probably don't know any of these names. But you do know the group that they're part of. You ready for this? Those are the 10 spies that didn't go into the promised land because they brought back a bad report and wouldn't move. Isn't it amazing that Moses challenges Hobab to go forward and he doesn't? And three chapters later, in Numbers 13, these, these names are all three chapters later in Numbers 13. No movement, no movement. Moses challenges them to move forward into the promised land and you don't even know any of these names. You do know the two people that went in, don't you? Which two went in? Caleb and Joshua. And really what it comes down to is which list will you be on? The one that's gonna move forward in God? Maybe with the, maybe on a, on a faith step to say, God, I want you in my life. Or maybe it's God, I wanna be, I wanna be obedient with you. I, I, I'm challenging you like Moses challenged you. Come with us as we go on a journey with God. You can be eyes, you can be support, you can be help, you can, you can be a follower. Here's what I've learned about this story. That even if you people, even if people are stubborn and say, we're not gonna go, we're not gonna, you don't stop anything. God's kingdom keeps going and what God wants to accomplish always happens. Why, why would you say that, Pastor Tim? Because I think this is important for us to begin to see. And here it is. Instead of Hobab, being eyes for them in the wilderness, which I think was the original intention of God. God was going to use that man's gift to move a group of people. God said, if he doesn't go, it doesn't stop my kingdom from doing what it needs to do. So you know what God does? God goes, if Hobab's not going, 
I'll send a cloud by day and a fire by night. I have this strange sense that I think the cloud by day and the fire by night, I have this strange sense that that was Hobab's job. That, that people not moving, not being obedient, doesn't stop the work of God. It's God asking you to be part of it, but you won't stop it. Disobedience will not stop the movement of God. Gossip won't stop the movement of God. Lack of generosity won't stop it. God's gonna get it done. And if Hobab doesn't go, I'll send a cloud by day, hallelujah, and a fire by night. Because the good things of God, I realize, are found in that next step of faith. For Hobab, he said it was gonna be found in the desert, not in your hometown. One, one explorer said it like this, you can't cross the ocean until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Until you begin to take that, that next step that God is asking us to take. What does that look like? What is God asking? See, just simply turn, tuning in online and watching and watching and watching and, and listening becomes dangerous ground when you feel the Holy Spirit saying, take the next step. Because it's God asking, you ready for this? I want you to turn this religion into a relationship. Or stop, stop dating Jesus on the weekends. But have a relationship with him. Go to that marriage supper of the Lamb. That, that, that all of, uh, uh, of, of Christians from, from all of history will celebrate one day. See, religion doesn't get you to heaven, but a relationship does. And, it's, and this is where we have to understand. It's not being in church or, or, or being online, but it's being in Christ. That's what born again is. I'm inviting you on a journey. I wanna, I wanna speak to a specific group of people right now. Christians, I wanna challenge you for this next step of faith. But I wanna also challenge those that may have not taken that journey with God. And today could be that day. Don't stay back going, I can't do this. My family will be angry with me. What, what will my wife say? What will my husband say? We're not religious. And I'm saying, come with us. Good things are ahead. Not just good things here, but good things in heaven. It's challenging. The challenges will be there, but God goes with us. God is with us. So Pastor Tim, how do I start this journey? It starts by being born again. That's the starting place. It starts this way. That we, that we have a relationship with Jesus, not on the weekends, that's dating Jesus, a relationship with them. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? Jesus uses the phrase, you have to be born again. That's where it all starts. He didn't say you have to go to church. He didn't say you have to be religious. He didn't say you have to be part of this denomination. You have to be a good person. He says, you need to be born again. Pastor Tim, what does that mean? In John 3, 3, Jesus says, no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. What he was saying was this, just as you had a first birth physically, you need a second birth spiritually. For many of you, you were born in a hospital physically, but today you can be born spiritually, a new person on the inside. God dwells inside of you today. Well, the big question is, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? And it's as simple as ABC. This is the journey. A, it's admitting I'm a sinner. It's where I get honest with God that we say that all of us, starting with me, have a condition called sin. I can't fix it myself. I can't fix it with a promise. 
You can't just simply fix it by going to a program and getting a, getting a, 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 a diploma, a priest, a pastor. We need help to fix this. I'm broken on the inside. The diagnosis is sin. I'm a sinner and I need help. As one pastor said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. Well, Pastor Tim, how does that happen? That's the B word. That's believe. Believe that God sent his son to fix our sinful condition because I couldn't fix it myself. If we could fix ourselves, then God putting his son through suffering would be the ultimate case of child abuse. If God, if I could get myself to heaven by being good or just simply by, by taking communion, then Jesus would never have to come and die on the cross for me. But I needed him to come. He paid the penalty. Jesus became my sin bearer. In fact, Jesus died the death that I should have died. Lived the life I couldn't live. and gave me a reward. Heaven, eternal life, forgiveness that I didn't even deserve. And finally, it's confessing him. That's the C word, confessing him. A, admit, B, believe, C, confess. Confessing Jesus as Lord. We think confess is just something we say with the mouth, but that's not what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. To confess him as Lord, saying, you're in charge now of my life. Jesus did not die on the cross simply to get me to sit in a church building or in front of a screen watching church for an hour or an hour and 15 minutes every single week. His goal wasn't simply to get me to church. His goal was to get us to heaven. That's the journey. That's the plea, come with us. Coming to church one day a week is religion. Walking with Jesus every single day, that's the relationship. This is a movement plea. This is saying, come with us. Good things are ahead, not only here, but for all of eternity. And today it could start. Today, right now, that new journey can begin. I, 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 don't, I don't want, because, because we're all gonna end up in a Numbers 31. We all, according to the Bible, will die one day. Not just Hobab, all of us. And all of us are gonna stand before God today. But I know I wanna stand before him knowing my sins have been forgiven. I've trusted my life to him, and you can do that today. Come with us today. Good things are ahead. Pastor Tim, what do I need to do? I want you to pray a prayer with me. I want you to come with us on, the, on a journey of a lifetime, a journey of eternity. And if you're there right now, wherever you're listening, whoever you are, I want you to pray a prayer with me, a born-again prayer. It's just the starting gate. It's, it's the greatest decision you can make and the most challenging life where God is with you all the way. But wherever you are, whether you're in a, in, in a fitness center, whether you're waiting in an airport, whether you're in your home or apartment, whether you're in New York City or you're in Brussels, whether you're in Mexico City or, or you're down in Colombia, God is speaking to you today to go on that journey. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Come on, let's, if you can, say it out loud with me. Say these words, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. 
The Holy Spirit is my helper and heaven is my home. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.